Welcome to today's podcast. The title is The Emotions of a Cleaning Business Owner at Every Stage of Growth. I'm Louise and this is Diane. Um, And today we're going to look at what it's like being the cleaning business owner. We've both done it. We've started being a startup company, both doing the cleaning, both starting on our own. And we're going to talk through the emotions at each stage of growth, right up until you've got pretty serious size company Um, but we're going to start with startup isn't it exciting Diane yeah very and every every new client is a big win and yeah it's it is exciting it's lots of mistakes but actually you're enjoying it doesn't matter yeah I don't think you really make a lot of mistakes I love it because you get out there you clean you're making friends you know um, love you you do an amazing job they love yeah they can't they just can't praise you enough you can work the hours you want so if you decide you're not going to work on a Thursday afternoon you never have to work it I mean there's not a lot of downsides um, no, and I remember going flyering but I only went when it was sunny <laughs> I don't think I ever did I might have done flyering I have got my first flyer actually still um but yeah I posted to them sort of the three doors the five doors down from my current clients and you know, you get on a tram and you tell people that you're cleaning. They're like, oh, I'll book you. And I'm like, yes, I can get clients anywhere. And, and, and also in those days, I suppose every customer is a customer. You'll clean for anybody. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll clean for anyone. You know, if I like them, um, if I don't like them, well, guess what? I'm a business owner. I can get rid of them. <laughs> and you have control and a pride, a real sense of pride. I quite like that. Yeah. Because that goes at some of the later stages. <laughs> at this stage, there is a real pride. But and also, I think also because you've got such big hopes for what you're going to do, yeah, you've you've not faced a lot of challenges yet, so it's such a positive time, and and it is exciting, and it's yeah, it's your baby, it's it's the start of it all, isn't it? And everyone loves you. Everyone recommends you because you are phenomenal. You are the best cleaner they've ever had. And you know you are. I love it. Like, there is a certain amount of arrogance. Maybe that's just me. But, like, it's good. No, and I I say that now, you know, obviously, if I went out and cleaned now, I'd probably get mistakes because I'd probably probably get complaints because I wouldn't be able to do it. But back when I first started, absolutely never had a single complaint, not a single complaint, because every time I would do the best job possible. Do you know what's interesting doing our jobs now? You know the reason you never got a single complaint? Because they don't want to upset you. You know that that no because I was really good, Louise. Yeah, I thought that about me too. <laughs> they just didn't want to lose me, that's what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, no, you hear it now when they come to us and they go, Well, I don't want to work with the soap clean because I wasn't quite happy, but I didn't really want to tell them. So, you know, I just told them that my mom's coming to clean. And I'm like, I got told that. No, that didn't happen. I believe this. Oh, I don't need a cleaner anymore. It was me, wasn't it? Anyway, right. Yes, that is an awesome stage when you're on your own. And and yes, you know, you can phone them. You've got the relationships with the customers. That if you want to do something else, you say, "Oh, do you mind if I move you to a Tuesday?" You knew all the all the customers, their kids, their pets. I know the cats' names. Yeah, and. They loved it. I, I think that's just the best stage. Then you decide to get a little cup of ambition. 
right? <laughs> you decide because the demand is out there. You have been recommended by so many. You are the best cleaner known to man. You decide to take someone on to work with you, which is normally a friend or someone you know, because most of us don't really start off going straight down recruiting a stranger. You know, you normally know of them, you know, the mum that's at the same school or did you go straight for a stranger, Diane? Or? Absolutely. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> Although I did rope my mum in on one of my first cleans, so maybe. <laughs> so not to five staff, not to three. Lovely, they're your friends. You can work any hours. You yeah, work just around them. Yeah, and that flexibility that you've loved, that relationship with the customers that you've loved, they've probably got the same. You can give them all the pleasure that you've had. Absolutely. My second team member stayed with me 12 years. Oh, my God. We to work together. And she still says now, you know, we're still friends. And she still says, I still clean how you taught me to all those years ago. <laughs> Aww. It's a nice time. Yeah, you, build, you do build friendships with your team and with your clients. It's lovely. Mostly. And mostly. But you get to about five staff quite quickly. And most businesses do because the demand is out there. You get to five staff. It gets a bit trickier here, doesn't it? By the time you're at five staff, you know, it's Yeah, I think I think if we kind of I think at about three staff, it's still quite on edge. I think, you know, if, if any one of those three members of your team call in sick, the rest of you that's your day. Like, you know, I remember doing seven, eight hour days just covering one team member being off. Diane, that's normal. <laughs> I know. I know it's normal. That's what I'm saying. But that's that was around three. And I think at five, there were new challenges, but in some ways it got a bit easier because there were more people to spread the work out with. I was still working with them, but there was more people to share it with. Do you think so? I don't think so. I think at three, it was quite nice because actually there was no sickness. At three, nobody went off. At five, it started to creep in for me. And so suddenly my problems started around five because your odds of it happening are higher. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's true. But no, I, I probably found slightly different. Although I think maybe the way I got to five was I had three and um, I, re- I interviewed two people and they were both amazing and I only had one position. So I just recruited them both and gave them my hours. So I kind of jumped quite quickly from three to five in the space. Oh, of okay. And you went off tools. If you gave them your hours, did you? Yeah, I sort of went off tools. But yeah, I gave them, gave them my hours and I was just then sickness cover for a while. Although I then built my hours back up again, which you know, probably shouldn't have done, but I did. <laughs> And and you can't imagine stopping cleaning. It sounds like you could, but for me, I cleaned. I cleaned. I probably didn't stop cleaning till about twelve staff. And even then, I was always first to go. I'll do it. I'll do it. I loved it. Yeah, and and I think it took a long time for it not to be me who was the first one on call. It took a long time to get to that stage. And yeah, I would say well beyond twelve. Yeah. Anyway, we're at not to five. Not yeah. to five. Love that stage. And the customers, it's it's a fun stage because you're growing it and it's exciting. And the problems are not insurmountable. Each one, you get a kick every time you solve a little problem. You're like, look at me. I love this stage. You know all your customers as well, don't you? And, and you've still got that feeling of being being part of their lives, I suppose. Um, and you would, I would still recognize them. You know, if I saw them in the supermarket, I would know who they were and they would know who I was at that stage. Definitely. Yeah, you feel part of it. You feel like you're making a difference and you feel like you're making a difference to your staff's life as well. I I love that stage. And then 
you get bigger. <laughs> oh, and if we talk about the five to ten staff stage, this is hell on earth. Right? That's that's the that's the learning curve for me. That was my biggest shock. Oh, this isn't quite as easy as I thought it was, and maybe it's I'm losing control. Maybe yeah, maybe I'm not quite the business owner I thought I was. Yeah. So up until now, how we've had this arrogance, we, you know, we've solved every problem. We felt great. And the seven to 10 is, it's hard because if you're like most people, you probably are still cleaning and at seven to 10, you desperately need to get off the tools. But the reality is you probably haven't solved enough problems in your business to actually get off the tools. And if you're growing, you're still out training and you're still dealing with lots of things. It is really hard at this stage. All Um, of a sudden you've forgotten to invoice your clients or, you you know, somebody's not paid you for five weeks and you haven't noticed. It's, yeah, yeah, you start, I, I think you start to lose a grip of the admin. Maybe the cleaning is still okay, but you really start to lose a grip of everything else. I think you kind of choose one or the other, don't you? Maybe, yeah. And I and I think again, by the time you're up nearing ten staff, you know you have to be recruiting on a fairly regular basis. Um, it's devastating when a member lo- me leaves your team. It is absolutely devastating. And I remember at that stage as well, we were we didn't have an office at that stage. We had a storage unit where we we used the team used to meet, and that's where all the equipment was. So every evening, I was going to cut the cloths from the storage unit, taking them home and washing them. Um, and yeah, so my husband used to help washing the cloths. <laughs> so yeah, so we were still doing a lot of the stuff around the cleaning, not just the cleaning. Still helping out in the cleaning, getting all the, kit, the team's kit prepared. I used to do that for them every day. We yeah. still do. <laughs> yeah. Well, you still do. <laughs> and, and and the reality is you might be out. Say you're only cleaning for four or five hours. You've still got four or five hours of admin, yeah. but you are physically hurting. Um, you, you only have to do that for a few days. And you've still got to do quotes. And each time you drive out to do a quote, that would take me an hour by the time I've driven there, done the quote and got back again. Yeah, and absolutely. Do the, all of our quotes, yeah. In the evenings, actually, always in the evenings or at weekends. Yeah. So I would I would quite often work till three. I've got kids. So I would work nine till three and that would be cleaning and dealing with essential admin, like, you know, customer phone calls I had to. And then I'd have to be with my kids three till seven. Let's say I was doing dinner and having a break. Then from seven till nine, I was out doing a quote every time. Well, that doesn't leave any time for recruitment or the other things. How do you grow past this stage? It becomes unsustainable. And I was exactly the same. One of the reasons I wanted to start a cleaning business was I knew it was one I could run from home. My daughter was at 13 at the time and I wanted to be there when she got home from school. You know, she's she talks a lot and you know she needed somebody to talk to and if I was at work she couldn't and so I needed to be there so I did exactly the same I would take from three till seven off to be a family and then back to work yeah and I used to and talk then, to my car just so that I could find houses in the dark when I was going to do quotes in the winter yeah I've been there and you're you're identifying them by the number on the bin going please let me find yes. it and like driving up and down country lanes trying to find a house with a name <laughs> the number of times I've been out on quotes till 10 o'clock at night and you're getting back and you're going I'm just tired and you've got to be up the next morning because you've got to be at work for well I've got to do the school run and drop yeah, them off you've got, got to be there for nine yeah yeah it's difficult that's it, there's so many positives about it but it was it was a real big learning curve. That's the only way I can describe it was I had to change. The business had to be, you know, before I started the business, I kind of thought I understood 
about systems and things. But at this stage, that's when everything had to change and need to find easier ways of doing things at that stage. And what I found about this stage is this is the point where you turn from it being your business, your baby, to you going, no, I have to run this like a proper business. And the reality is every change I made, I'd pee off a member of staff and they'd leave. I'm <laughs> like, hitting my head on a brick wall here. I remember we changed from working solo to working in pairs. I lost two staff over that. Another one I lost staff over, I introduced work jackets, right? Because it was raining, it was wet. And I put them in place and then they refused to wear them. So I said, right, categorically, you will wear them. I lost a member of staff over introducing jackets. I've lost staff over awful things. I'm like, oh gosh, like, but what do you do? Yeah, it's those changes you have to make in order to make this business manageable again and have you know good controls in place. But yeah, the team don't like it. I remember at this stage, we introduced our feedback system and our team were not happy. But you're going to ask the customers what they think. Well, if they don't say anything, they must be happy. And I'm like, no, that's not really how it works. Um, and yeah, it was it was tough. Yeah, and we lost we lost team members through changes that we made. I I I hired or I promoted one of the team, shall I say, to help me on the operations side. An operations manager, I called her rather grandly at the time, and it actually caused other challenges because she couldn't manage the team. She was good with sorting things out, but she was. She'd upset the team and then therefore that was my fault. And yeah, it was it's a real turbulent time, actually, when I think back. It's quite hard. It just felt, I definitely felt like during this stage, I just failed at every turn. Like, and I'd gone from my lovely, my dream baby business. Like, it was amazing. And I'm just like, why? Just like, this is hard. <laughs> Yeah. Why is this so hard? Yeah. And it's interesting because say some bits of it were easier. I do think that if, you know, scheduling was easier because with more than five team members, I had, if, if one of them was sick, I could spread their hours out amongst the team a bit more easily when there were only three of us, but it brought so many other challenges. I had to learn how to manage a team and to run a business properly. Yeah. That was the hard thing because up until then I'd worked with my friends and now my friends stab me in the back every time I try to do something that was essential for the business. And I'm like, why, guys? And of course, around this stage, and this is what you hear so time and time again, someone doesn't like what you're doing and the way you're doing it, and they're going to steal all your customers. And then you've got the emotional thing of it, like, in some ways you go, just steal them, please make my life easier. But on the other hand, it's like, how could you do this to me? Am I such a bad person that you want to do this to me? And you go, ouch. Yeah. You know? well, actually, it's probably, this was probably the stage where that first happened to me, where one of the team did take um, a good chunk of customers. And um, it was like, but you know me, you know my family. How could you do that to me? You know, I would never. You know, and yeah, I remember one team member. She was lovely, um, and she didn't understand kind of why I was upset. I don't think until I talked to her about it. But it was like, well, the customer likes me, so therefore, of course, I'm going to take them with me. And I'm just like, but <laughs> yeah. So it was difficult because I suppose I felt the relationship with my team was maybe stronger than it actually was. Yeah, I remember it happened to me when I was pregnant. And um, I was like, well, how, how could you do this? But, you know, happens to us all, doesn't it? And, and it happens at this stage because you don't have the systems and processes to stop it happening. And so you've literally got no protection. Like, it doesn't happen later on. 
um, because you've learned what to do to prevent it. But at this stage, gosh, it hurts. Yeah. And I think one of the things I had to learn at this stage was not just what systems I needed to tweak or put in place or actually have in the first place, was also I had to detach a little bit emotionally from the business at this stage because it was some of, some bits of it were hurting me. Yeah. Did you I find found that? this really hard. Yeah. I, I got to the stage where I was like, like I, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I, I could not do it because um, I just was unhappy. I was really unhappy. And it wasn't the cleaning. I liked the cleaning stage. Um, but it was, I couldn't even put my finger on why I was so unhappy doing this. But I felt like, why, why am I doing that? I don't even earn that much money. It doesn't make it worth it for me. Like, And there is this dream. Feeling like a failure. And then also perhaps this, this element of feeling like a failure and this isn't working, but also feeling like everybody thinks this is all my fault. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe I just, I want friends at work and, and suddenly I couldn't have that anymore. And I think um, I got invited on a night out and for some reason it just, I wasn't one of the team anymore. And it's not that they overtly dislike you, but they'll have a little whisper in there. I'm not I hope you. not. And it's like, <laughs> just, it wasn't the same relationship anymore. Yeah, I this definitely was the loneliest, hardest, most depressing stage. And we see this in the group. This is the stage where everybody leaves the industry. Yeah. And I, I don't blame them. Honestly, I, I wanted I hate to. That. I hate this. They hate me. What's, you know, yeah, it's just not the business anymore that I, I thought I had. And then you put in all these hours all this hard work you get to the end of the year and there's your 20 grand and you go what <laughs> what do you have any idea how hard I've worked and, and, that, and for some people they don't even walk away with that 20 grand but like for most people that's what they're going to walk away with and it's just horrific why bother yeah so yeah so, so probably this is the most difficult stage isn't it the six to ten stage this is the most difficult part of the business and and you're right this is probably the bit where most people will leave yeah, which is great for me because actually I watch local businesses and there are people always go, oh, you know, there's so much competition around me. And I'm like, go on, let's see how long they last. Go on, you hit this stage. And, and one of the pieces of advice I always give to people, which is the best piece of advice, is if you want to succeed in the cleaning industry, stick it out because everybody is going to hit this stage and it hurts. It is unbelievably hard. And you want to survive. The only thing you have to do is is stay stay because you will work out the how to solve each and every problem and you know we can help you along the way but there's so many and it's a personal evolution stick it out commit to change and stick it out and sometimes I suppose at this stage is this where people get it's not a distraction that's probably not the right word for it but it's kind of they see other shiny pennies in the industry they think well okay this is hard so I'm going to do commercial cleaning this is hard I'm going to concentrate on end of tenancies this is hard I'm going to do carpet cleaning or biohazard they, they it's not working and it's not because domestic cleaning can't be profitable or can't be a good business it's because they're in this horrible bit and therefore they're looking for a, a way out I suppose or an easier option yeah, and they go, and, and this is what we see all the time. I'm going to move into holiday lets, or I'm going to do this. And one of the things that um, is quite interesting in domestic cleaning, in fact, any cleaning, some of them are more profitable than domestic cleaning. But I think domestic cleaning is quite unique in that it is scalable. 
And I think most people believe it's scalable, but when you hit this point, you don't care that it's scalable because you can't do it. But anyway, but the point is, this is, and, and the problem is, if you start going off and getting diverted by all of those other things, then you are not going to succeed at domestic cleaning. Now, you might succeed at those other things and you probably will make more profit. But the reality is you are not going to have a large, profitable domestic cleaning business. And the money is exponentially larger the bigger you get. You you double the staff. You double how much work you do. You don't double your turnover. You don't double your profit. You quadruple it. So, yeah. And you only have to look at the numbers to really understand how this works. Um, and we see this all the time. It's hard. I'm going to do X, Y, or Z. I did it. I yeah. did it. Yeah. I, I started a laundry. <laughs> I, I did buggy cleaning loved a bit of buggy cleaning it made us lots of money uh, we did carpet cleaning we did album cleaning I've done uh, I've got to say I love a good builder's clean um, but the reality is you know if you don't specialise in what you do and we have chosen to specialise in domestic cleaning you aren't going to make money you cannot run a after builder's cleaning and a holiday let and a domestic cleaning business and a commercial laundry you can't do it all and definitely not at this size yeah no you're almost creating lots of small businesses and you're going to then get to the same stage with each one and, and I suppose one of the best things for me about domestic cleaning is first of all it's repeat business you can like you say that's why it's scalable because you know you're going to Mrs Smith's every week for three hours and you can build a team around that but also it's sociable hours I, you know we, t- we do a little bit of office cleaning but very little but in the early days you know five o'clock in the morning somebody phones in sick I don't want to go out and vacuum an office at 6am it doesn't fit with why I started the business in the first place and you know we say so we did that masterclass about working around a family it doesn't fit with that and the other thing as well you know carpet cleaning for instance it can be really profitable but it's not exactly like you go and clean those carpets every week. So it's harder to scale. So, yeah, domestic cleaning can be a really good business model, but you have to get through this painful bit. And the thing we found about carpet cleaning, actually, we got booked up and were full time. But what we found was, as, as I didn't, well, I did do some of it, actually. Uh, but my husband, one of the directors, was doing it. Well, he was fully booked. And yeah. so he wasn't being a director of the company, which meant that, yeah, we had plenty of money coming in. But if you are thinking in any way long term, then you need someone getting the systems right and 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 growing this business. Because otherwise, they are just a, a carpet cleaner. Um, and you will make more money from a larger domestic cleaning business than you being a carpet cleaner. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. you've got to make sure that whatever business you build is scalable. Yeah, I think they forget about that. Anyway, right. So five to 10 staff. OK, it's hard. Slog it out. Get through that problem stage. And then this is a roundabout. Now we're sneaking up to the VAT threshold. So, yeah, that gets that whacks you down. You finally get over the depressing stage and you get whacked by VAT. Oh, that can be exciting. It can be exciting. It's like, yay. It's exciting um, if you plan for it. But if you just suddenly put your prices up 20%, it can be challenging. <laughs> it's quite funny. Uh, again, we watch people, they whack it up 20% and go, I've lost a load of customers. And we're like, we'll whack it up six months earlier, take the profit, and then don't lose the customers. Yeah. And you end up you end up making money off the VAT thing. But anyway anyway get over that plan ahead plan ahead say 10 to 15 now this for me I would actually say apart from the depression between five and 10 10 to 15 I was stuck in the most comfortable rut in the world this this is a hard stage it does get easier (laughs) for me this was hard because 
at this stage, you're probably coming off the tools quite consistently um, because you've got that much admin to do. And I thought I could recruit. I can recruit. Um, but the reality is you're recruiting, you're training. By the time you've got through that training cycle, someone else has left. I hit about 12 staff and I was constantly for two years um, going between 12 and 15 staff because I'd grow it up to 15, I'd lose a few, and then I'd grow it. I could never get past 15. I was basically stuck at, at 12 staff. For increase, shrink, for a- increase, shrink, increase, shrink. Yeah, it's it's a weird phase. But because it's such a comfortable phase in terms of you can usually be running the business on your own at this point if you're not going out cleaning. So it's profitability is good. But yeah, yeah. I was making good money. Yeah. But it's it's hard to then go next level, isn't it? So and do you want to? Because at this stage you've probably got systems, you're probably happy. You know, I'm working my nice hours, my nine to three. I do a few quotes two or three days a week when I want to. But what pushes you? Why would you push through this? Because it's hard to push beyond it. But for me at this stage, this was where I started to think I could replicate this. I thought that too. <laughs> you actually did it. I went, I investigated it seriously, went, not a chance. <laughs> anyway, Diane, go on. You can replicate this. You could subject more people to what you're going through. Yeah, we can make somebody else go through this pain. <laughs> <laughs> so you franchised, didn't you? Yeah. And, and a lot of people want to talk to you about this. What, what yeah, happened? people want to talk to me about it all the time, but they often want to do it too soon. So often it's it's they think it's a solution to the pain they're going through in the five to ten stage. So rather than going off carpet cleaning, they think, oh, I'll franchise and then that will make it easier. Um, and the trouble is they haven't got everything in place yet to have anything that anybody would want to buy because it's you're just basically going to go, I'm in pain. Come and join me. Um, whereas what you want is to be I'm this is this is working really well I can help you build something similar but your franchisees if you do that are still going to have to go through those stages and at 12 to 15 though you are at a nicest stage you're going I've got a decent business and and actually you could sit back and decide to franchise like I think that's that's a good stage to franchise no I agree what I found really hard though is getting bigger than that stage that was impossibly hard um as i say it took me years to work out and the solution breakthrough was it recruitment was it training what was it that pushed it to the next stage i wanted more from my life so for me it was a personal thing i went i'm not sitting here and accepting that this is enough yes it's comfortable and yes i've got a happy life but i want more and I could not work out. I slogged it and slogged it and slogged it to try and get more. And in nothing worked, nothing. Um, until, so I got a business coach at this stage. Um, and um, the problem was me. The problem's always you, isn't it? The problem's always. And, yeah. um, for me, I was comfortable and I probably wasn't working the evenings by this stage. And when I started, I basically had to work another six hours a week. So I went back probably nine hours, three evenings a week um, and started doing that but on the things that mattered. Um, and I realized that actually we needed to have admin staff. I recognized where I wasn't great. And it turns out that I'm probably better at cleaning than I was at admin. Um, I don't like boring, repetitive tasks. And so I had to take someone on. As soon as someone was sat in the office dealing with all the things that maybe I wasn't excited or good at, um, 
it allowed me to grow. Um, but it was that point of saying, well, I'm going to have to pay this person the 20 grand a year that I'm making. So mm-hmm. how on earth am I going to make it? I can't afford to take on someone. And and that's the hard thing. How do you take that risk, that financial risk of going, I'm going to pay them every penny I make? Yeah. And that's... And that's a decision you... point, isn't it? That it's like, okay, do I carry on with what I've built or am I going next step, but I've got to invest in order to get to that next step? Yeah, and that's that's hard. Particularly, I mean, it's a little bit easier because we actually save an awful lot of money. So the money was there. I could pay them for a year without worrying too much but for a lot of people they're living off this income and mm. um, that's really hard how do you throw it away this person may be no good um yeah. and if you do take this person on what are you going to do you know that's a real fear for people yeah yeah and it's if you know if you kind of your role becomes your identity then there can be issues around that because again you know we, we talked about that sort of um, six to ten stage where you had to make the most changes to you and the way you worked and fix the business and yourself you're almost kind of going well okay if I replace myself even just for parts of the business what am I going to do what what will I work on next and how can I make sure that I stay focused I suppose you said about getting a business coach did they kind of push you to make those decisions I think I think I was pushing myself um, I think for me I definitely struggled because um, I ran a business to have a nice balance between family life and work and I got to the stage where I had a nice balance and I didn't want to upset the apple cart so I didn't want to go back and say actually I would rather be at work than be at home and I really struggled with saying that to myself it's like for me I felt like a bad mum when I said I want to miss bedtimes three times a week I actually want to um and that's, you know, I, I see people that can do it all, but, you know, some people think I can, I can't. <laughs> like, it's hard. You have to make a sacrifice. And um, I chose the business. But I, my, I mean, my kids were really well looked after. They have a great dad that was doing, you know, bedtimes three days a week. And I felt like, why should I have to? And the business coach really supported me and made me feel OK about what I was doing. I'm not sure they gave me the answers. I probably had the answers myself. But a good business coach makes you feel like you have your own answer. So maybe they did. Yeah, they ask you the right questions so that you figure out the answer yourself, don't they? <laughs> Yeah, I've got to say, it's, it's quite interesting now because I do business coaching much like you. Um, I probably never, and I've had lots of business coaches over the years, I've probably never gone to them because they're going to give me some great epiphany. I've had them at certain points to support me through quite challenging times. Um, and not sort of your challenging like bereavement or the big challenging ones. It is every time there's kind of a transition, the transition usually is me transitioning in some way I, I've needed someone to hold my hand interesting yeah interesting and and it's it's so we've said a few times now that it's it's you that needs to change it's me that needs to change that's that's the reality of the evolution of a business owner isn't it from you know you going out delivering flyers and cleaning to having a manager in place or what you know wherever you take your business you have to change along the way and you have to realize that that's what's happening and it's interesting when we see people that have taken on managers and actually it's a disaster sometimes isn't it like you and I are, are, have kind of watched and gone oh you are making a big mistake here do not have this person as your manager because you take this person on and basically hand them the keys to your business and 
you know, you think it's going to be the best thing ever and you're going, actually, you cannot give someone that much control or expect them to be that good. You almost have to sort of, you know, spoon feed them. And that's another evolution of you. How do you learn to manage a manager and actually emotionally support them while not giving them too much pressure? Yeah, and, and it's, that all sort of feeds into the culture of your business and what you expect of them. And, and you can't expect to hire somebody and then, like you say, give them the keys to the business. There you go, you run it, because they will run it. But you and might not like it. how they run it. <laughs> and they won't run it as well as you, and they're not you. And at the end of it, you're going to take the flack when they do something wrong. Yeah, and then they're probably going to go through the same pain that you've gone through. So you need to have, you know, by this stage, if you're thinking of taking somebody on to work in the business with you so that it frees you up, then you have to have those systems in place and you have to have that culture in place and know that your business, you're not abdicating. <laughs> you are, you know, bringing somebody in to support what you do. Yeah, it's a difficult, difficult decision to make. And yeah, it's it's easy to make the wrong decision, I think, at this stage. Yeah, I think for me, what's definitely helped over the years is to split the tasks. So rather than have one person um, and put all that pressure on that one person to be all things to all people, take a task like for me, I don't want to deal with planning and have someone who is doing that. But you've still got to oversee them. You've still got to check on everything. You know, you still have to almost be responsible for it. And in some ways, when you're training them and when they're coming on board, your job gets even harder. And you go, oh, my gosh, I'm losing money and my job's got harder. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And I think also I think you're right about that splitting tasks. I think sometimes we try and hire somebody that we think might be like us and we might have different skills because we've grown with the business hopefully we can do bookkeeping we can do sales we can do marketing we can manage the team we can do scheduling but to hire somebody that can do all those things I think is almost impossible because if they could do all those things they're probably already a business owner themselves so you need to niche it down and think okay I need help with this and I always sort of think you should do you should hire somebody or outsource the things that you either hate doing a bad at or the things that you put off doing and do those first because that's you being the bottleneck in the business isn't it yeah, definitely get rid of those. For me, it's admin all the way. Yeah, mine, yeah, mine is ad, sending out invoices. If, if it was left to me, then my clients would never get an invoice. Isn't it done automatically? I know someone presses the button, don't they? Yeah. Someone actually presses. <laughs> I was thinking, how does it happen? How do we send invoices? No, it has to get sent for the direct debits. And it's magic. Yeah, I yeah. Do it. <laughs> it has to, yeah, they, do, they just press the button, don't they? But it's not just pressing a button. There's a report that's run and exactly. maybe... Yeah, no, there's a report that has to come out so they have to know and also there's an element sometimes of the report might say that they had three and a half hours but half an hour might have been training so there's got to be some balances in place but I don't get involved <laughs> because I'm not good at it no I love that when I became finance director for the DCBN <laughs> that was interesting <laughs> yeah. can I do it yeah. <laughs> can I do it yes I can do it uh, do I have a degree that involves it you know I've got qualifications in accountancy I'm qualified enough to know I don't want to do it <laughs> I seem to remember being um, nominated to do customer services and I don't even do that in my cleaning business. <laughs> I'm good at it, but it's not necessarily my forte. <laughs> Probably like you, I get, I get escalated. It comes to me when it's a big problem and can I do it? Yes. But give me one or two of those 
you know, a month and that works for me. Or or consult me. I like the consultant, you know. Yeah, and I, I like that with my it. team actually. I like them. If they if they've got a problem or they've got a question, I kind of want them to come to me with a solution at the same time as they bring me a problem. And then we can discuss the solution and whether that's the right solution. And then they can go off and sort it themselves rather than giving it to me. Yeah. There's nothing, do you know what I dislike more than anything else? Trying to get hold of people that are not necessarily avoiding your phone calls, but um, you can't get hold of them. That just bugs me. It's just an, a waste of my time. So you've got a customer and you know that they've got to, you've got to talk to them. You've got to change their quote or whatever. And it's like, just please, when are you going to be in? Just tell me so I can speak to you at that time. Otherwise, it's like you prep for the phone call. You're ready to do it. You make the phone call and they don't answer. And then you prep again. And then it's like, especially if it's a big one, I prep, like emotionally prep every time for it. Like probably only 30 seconds. But anyway, um, yeah, I find that annoying. Yeah. No, I think I think the biggest challenge for me is to try and sort of imbue other people with a passion that I have for the business. Um, but I've just learned over the years that it's just me and I have to kind of let things float over a little bit sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have that problem. <laughs> so do, do you I think don't... you actually preferred the naught to five stage? <laughs> Definitely. No, I love not to find. I've got to say, though, because we've talked about the hard stages here. 15 onwards, doddle. Absolute doddle. I love it. You've got admin staff in place. You've got you can pop in. You can do what you want because the business is now flowing. It's making enough money for you to make decisions. You've evolved and um, there's enough staff so that you can have X amount off and you can just spread the work around the rest. Yeah. That's lovely. Yeah. So, you know, if you, you know, you're watching this, listening to this and you're at a stage before that, then, you know, know that it's it's not unusual where you are. And, you know, if we can help, um, please, you know, messages, comment, ask for help. That's what we're here for. And that's why yeah, we well, share all our problems with you. <laughs> I think sometimes it's quite interesting because a lot of people do phone us and, and we love it when people message and things. Um, but when they speak to me, I, I sometimes I don't always share. Like I sort of say I've been through it. I get what you're saying. I don't always share the emotions of oh, I was there. And yes, it hurt. I don't like it. Um, sometimes I guess I get a little emotionless sometimes. So I'm like, look, this is the solution. Here you go. Just have the solution and do it. And it's like, but you don't understand. I do understand. You just need to do this. Like, you know, I'm really sorry. So, the big one, you know, someone stole all your business and ran off with it. You know, I'm really sorry that happened. This is the solution. Do a cease and desist and forget it at that stage. Start again, you know, and this is how you're going to prevent it going only, forward. We can only deal with things like that because of we've experienced it. So we do acknowledge the pain because we've been there and we still remember it enough to have talked about it today. Um, but it, it does pass, but it you have to make the decisions along the way that you have to accept it and fix things as you go, really. And do you know the other thing, just talking about the things we've learned that I've hated, I think I've mentioned this on one of the other podcasts. So I'm quite competitive, right? I don't really like being wrong very much, but it happens occasionally. Diane, you've never seen it, haven't you? Um, <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> I don't, I find it really hard that when sort of because something goes a little bit wrong so like you you speak to a member of staff like they've done something wrong and you talk to them about it and you do it in the nicest way you humanly know how to do and it doesn't end the way you want it to 
p.m. and you've done everything. You've prepped for this. You've gone, right, I'm going to do it this way and I'm going to handle it really nicely, blah, blah, blah. And it doesn't end the way you want. And then you then have to freaking learn from it and recognize what you did wrong when you did everything in your power to do it right. And it still went wrong. And you're like, what? did I do wrong? And you don't know what you did wrong. And then some freaking know it all. For me, it was my husband. For other people, it might be people in the DCBN going, you're at fault. And you go, oh God, like, I hate it. I hate being wrong. It's not that I mind being wrong, but it's like, I tried so hard. I genuinely thought I was doing the right thing. And then it's like, oh no, you're wrong. I feel like telling you to go away. Something well, I do. Acceptance for me. That's just acceptance, I think. It's you know, I'm a human being. I'm not ever going to get so emotionally involved in business that it upsets me that much. Not anymore. Yeah, but you must have been through like this. Oh, yeah. That's and that's probably why I'm at the stage where I'm just like, <laughs> it's not really I feel a little part. bit like that. I did my best. I can do no more than my best. I think I still get a bit emotional, you know, sometimes. <laughs> like, I think on the day-to-day things, like you you were asking um, on the last podcast, you know, what, what's, what's been good, what's been bad? And I'm like, well, it's not really good or bad. But sometimes, sometimes I get a bit emotional and a bit involved. And the thing that I get most upset about now um, is actually nothing, like day-to-day, it doesn't really bother me. Sometimes if I haven't had what I feel is a day off or if I feel it's unfair, even though I'm in control, which makes it even worse, um, if I want like time off or a bit of a break away and I can't have it for X reason, but bearing in mind my breakaway is going up a mountain, so I want a whole day off. It's not like I want a couple of hours off. Even if I've had a massage that morning, if what I really want is something else, I find like I hate the business and it's like it's so unfair. Or like someone calls in and I have to go out and do an hour's clean. It's like, why me? Why can't someone else in the office go and do it? And it's like you look around and you could order them to do it, but you know that you'd do it better. It'd be less stressful and you actually probably needed to work with the other member of staff because you need to discuss everything. So it makes sense for you to do it. Oh, and you're in the area. And like I sometimes, maybe this is just me. I was like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to be at the top. I hate it sometimes. Being a business owner is is lonely, but it's all your choice. It's crazy that you choose not to do what you want, you know, but yeah. (laughs) Maybe you're just being an awkward child. I don't know who in your own business. So I tell I tell you what it is, okay. So I work with my husband, right? And what freaking bugs me is if something needs to happen or it's a really difficult sometimes there's difficult conversations or you know you've chased you're about to take someone to court whatever louise can you make that phone call no i don't want a phone call yeah I, i don't i haven't dealt with any of the stage up to this point we're about to threaten someone i haven't dealt with any of this why do i have to deal with it i just really think you should deal with it because you're free and i'm taking the day off why i don't want to deal with it and it's like but i'm off today louise so you've got to deal with it and i'm like I don't want to. And I get really frustrated and annoyed that I have to deal with something. Can I deal with it? Yes. Do I know the whole history? Yes. I just don't want to. Okay, I'm going to take a deep breath and go, yes. You feel better for sharing that. (laughs) 
forget the podcast goes out to everyone. This is just a rant between me and you, Diane, really. <laughs> yeah, this is what Louise doesn't like. But when she's up a mountain, she's happy. So let her yeah. climb a mountain. Does she know why I'm happy up a mountain? There's no reception on my phone. <laughs> you know what the answer to that is? Get a, get a, person, a new personal phone and then you can leave your work one in the office. So it doesn't matter. I, I, I'm going to run about this now. Okay, so this, I don't get this, right? This personal and um, maybe because I run multiple businesses, right? So I would have to have at least three different phones, four different phones, right? And then on the phone, I have WhatsApp and, and well, everything else, Messenger and TikTok, right? Yeah, I love TikTok. I don't like TikTok as it's just another thing to add to the problems and Instagram and blah, blah, blah. I do a lot of social media. So how could I have different ones? Because my personal one would have nothing. It would literally not be worth. No one phones me on my personal phone. I'd get like two phone calls a week. My mum and my sister would phone me, right? And then I'd have four different phones. I I just have it set so it just turns off at 10 o'clock. And the other thing, I don't, I don't feel there's much of a difference between my personal life and my work life. And I think we were talking to some of the DCBN staff about this. And they said, well, I don't want to contact you on a Sunday. And I'm like, Oof because that's personal time, <laughs> personal time, personal time. When did that stop being a thing? I I will ignore my phone if I don't want to. And I'm very, very clear that I, I on a Saturday or Sunday, I will choose to ignore it and I'll choose to ignore everything. But there'll be times when I pick it up and I don't get particularly stressed. But I don't feel the need to have separate phones. It would cause me so much complication. I probably need, I mean, I brought, I brought in the personal and business mobile a um, long time ago and I was having an operation and obviously I didn't want to be disturbed, but I wanted my friends to be able to call me. And I'd had the same mobile number for years and then just started using it for the business. So I just literally got a new number for personal, sent all my friends and family a message and that was the start of that I probably don't I mean my work phone probably hardly gets used nowadays it doesn't actually ring that often but at one point it was very useful to know I could just leave it in the office turn it off when I was going on holiday I literally had no work phone with me so nobody clients team members nobody could contact me the only person that had my personal number was my manager that she could call me in an emergency but that was it you got my personal think, mobile number, Louise, just so you know. I know. I know. You regret giving me that, don't you? <laughs> but I think I think that's where I'm at anyway, because customers don't phone me and staff don't phone me I anyway. So me it's um I my mobile number is everywhere, but we've put the landline number out more. They phone the landline, it goes to answer phone and someone else picks it up. So it's probably why I don't worry quite as much. But it's hard that separation, isn't it, when you when you start out. I used to get excited. You know, when a customer would call, it was so exciting. The naught to five stage, it was so exciting. Now I'm like, go away. Don't inquire. I remember, I think I might have said this before. Every time I went out in an evening to an appointment, eight o'clock at night, came home and I'd write on my whiteboard <laughs> how many hours a week they had. And yeah, I had a target for how many customers I would sign in a month. And if I hit it, I'd put big stars all around it and stuff. Very exciting. Um, yeah, don't get excited about that anymore, which is quite sad, really. <laughs> Uh, yeah I do you know what I do find though so I don't get excited and I'm like I don't want to answer the phone I don't like it then I pick up the phone and I love it I absolutely love taking inquiry I dread answering the phone and when I'm on it I'm like yeah I love it yeah, or like how to do this yeah yeah, and it's yeah. Lovely. we had a, a client recently actually and um, that you know I have I have spoken to a few times so I did at least know but obviously I can look on our system and see all the story as well and he we've been cleaning for him every four weeks only every four weeks because he worked away so he only came home at weekends every four weeks we cleaned for him and then he 
ended up working away permanently and put the house on the market. And he basically said to us, can you please keep going to clean, even though I know there's no cleaning to be done because I want you to water the plants, pick up the posts, and I don't trust the estate agent to look after the house. So I want you to, I trust you guys. And then finally he sold the house and he, you know, I think he was due a clean a couple of days after he says, you know, I'm going to pay you for the clean anyway, and just lovely. And, and things like that, I was just like, oh, yeah, I like dealing with customers. But actually, you know, if it was a customer complaint, I might not have liked it so much. It's just nice to deal with the lovely ones. <laughs> I do still, I even quite like the complaint. I like them all. I've got to say, I do like them all. But it's um, it's the grump. I do get grumpy. <laughs> I do. I get to the step. Yeah, I just think. So my talk tomorrow is about motivation. Do you know what? I am actually really excited about this webinar because this is what I do like doing is actually strategies. And um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this on an online webinar. Um, but have you ever done where you sort of anchor emotions on your on your knuckles? Have you ever done that, Diane? On your knuckles? What the tapping? Yeah. So not so much tap. Can you see? So like tapping. So if you tap uh, whichever one, say like that one, you know that um, reminds you of it, like excitement, and you could feel excited. So you can anchor different um, emotions. So what I'm looking to do is actually there's a lovely one where you transition from procrastination right through to motivation um, by anchoring. And so by you can almost get your brain to actually when it feels that procrastination, because we all recognize a bit of procrastination, whether it's active or inactive types of procrastination, actually transition it really quickly without even noticing straight through to motivation. So um, that's something I don't know whether I'm going to be able to do it on the webinar tomorrow. But, you know, when we do this live, what are we doing at the cleaning show? We are doing oh, yes. so we are we doing we are doing it in person. So. Obviously, I'm an NLP consultant, um, fully trained in that. So that's something that I'm going to look at as part of it. We're going to do the motivation speech, but actually we're going to do some anchoring techniques um, and actually take people through some real NLP, actually helping them. Um, Diane's like, really, Louise, are you? Yes, I am, Diane. No, I think it's brilliant because actually if you think <laughs> about our members that are at that five to ten stage, how much pain are they in? And actually having ways of getting through that will be amazing for them. So, no, that would be really good. So we're looking at, you know, how do you calm that down? Because we all get those emotional highs and lows. And I'm really, really good at doing excitement as a state. So we all get in emotional states. I'm really good at doing excitement. So actually, for me, it's coming down. You know, how do you deal with it? So I do extreme highs and extreme lows. How do we actually level those out? And so we're going to go through strategies as to how to level those out, because actually what you need is consistency in a business. And how do we move from procrastination to motivation? So we're going to go through some real life NLP techniques, um, which is going to be really good. You are going to be doing it with me, Diane. Honestly, join in. <laughs> you're, you're taking quite a lot from these, the Bradford factor and a bit of NLP. We're going to do anchoring. Um, NLP reminds me of my action coach days when I worked at action coach. Yeah, there was a lot of, um, you know, NLP coaching and it's like, really useful technique. Do you know, I actually, you know, I think it's quite interesting because it is some very specific techniques. And actually, when you look at how they can be applied to the cleaning industry and cleaning business owners, they can be really powerful. But what I like about NLP is they tend to target one specific thing. So I know when we do business coaching, we're looking at the people as a whole and, you know, the whole person. Whereas NLP, it's like, I am struggling to get motivated. It's like, boom, here's the technique, go do it. Like, I like that. I like a quick fix. 
Exactly. Well, hopefully the workshop will, the whole day will be a, a quick fix for everybody's business and a big boost for them, won't it? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I want, the people to walk away. But the last one was really good because it was the friendships. They, they really, I'm loving seeing it in the groups and they've all met up again since. Loving yeah. that. Yeah, it's brilliant. So yeah, they come along and spend a lot of time learning and sharing and, and learning from each other and from us. But yeah, afterwards, they've, they've got that community to, to keep benefiting them afterwards, haven't they? So yeah, so the cleaning show, it's 16th and 17th of September. So the 16th is the workshop and the DCBM community. It's all about that. And then the, the, the cleaning expo on the 17th, isn't it? So. Yeah. And tickets are available on Facebook and our website, are they? Absolutely. Yeah. If you go to our website, dcbn.org.uk, then you can um, get tickets for the, the whole thing. You can come and stay with us, dinner, bed, breakfast and um, workshop and go to the show. So, yeah, it's a real sort of network and stay and learn with us. And great price that we've worked so hard. Do you know how hard it was to get the price this low? This has been really hard for dinner, bed, breakfast and a full day's workshop. But what yeah. is it? 255 pounds and it's a really nice hotel um, yeah three course meal in the evening all included lunch refreshments throughout friday yeah and a, a double room and then breakfast next morning and then off to the show and given the area that was in we really struggled didn't we to get we were struggling to do anything under much hunter sort of about five six hundred we were going ouch so uh, so we've negotiated hard for you guys um yeah. Anyway, it should be it should be really good fun i'm loving the topics that are coming out and um, your 61 change what is it change five staff? five numbers to give you 61 percent more profit they actually give you a that. bit more than that but 61 percent at least more profit i've got to say you asked me this on the questions and you were like 61 percent. i was like not by the numbers i'm looking at 100 percent more profit here diane <laughs> <laughs> you certainly need to check those numbers. We went from four to seven grand, and I was getting it. It was six. It, yeah, it's a lot more than sixty-one percent when you actually do the numbers more than once. But yeah, it starts off with five key numbers, um, and yeah, it's going to be a full day, basically, isn't it? We're going to uh, cover all sorts, including it. how you can get your team to love you, Louise, which is my favourite topic. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, I'm not presenting that. <laughs> no, they do. They do. I mean, like you, we've had staff. I've got to say five, six, seven years. We, after, I've got to say, I find it harder to have more than like about six years because maybe we've transitioned so fast that actually by the time they've been with us six years, it's such a different business. And, you know, they are, they are fundamentally working for a different business. <laughs> so, yeah, like I can see why, like, you know, we've had a lot on, five six seven but um never broken seven not had a 12 diane yeah no 12 is uh yeah and yeah we say we're still friends oh mind you i've only been going the business in its current forms only been 10 years i've been doing it 12 but it's only been 10 so i'd struggle to have your numbers anyway <laughs> and i'm not competitive <laughs> goodness <laughs> of course you're not louise <laughs> on that note <laughs> okay uh, it's been a pleasure as always uh we've talked about what we've talked about all the different emotional stages and i hope that anyone that has listened to this um feels less alone and feels that actually there is light at the end of the tunnel and it is just sticking at it understanding that it's okay to feel like giving up it is a perfectly normal part of going through that stage it's part of the evolution and it's your chance to say am i going to stick at it 
or am I going to quit? And know that 90% of the people will quit. You want to be good and you want to make the serious money. You just have to stick at it. Yeah. And you need help and support. You know where we are. Yeah. We'll help you in different ways. Guy, that'd be nice. <laughs> Bye, Louise. <laughs> See you later. <laughs>